Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, February 11th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. We asked the Mayor for her thoughts on the Premier's announcement earlier this week to ease COVID-19 restrictions with a three-step plan and whether the city is considering overriding some of the province's plans, including the possibility of keeping the mask mandate. Then we head stateside for an update on the stories making headlines south of the border. This week, a look at the impact the trucker protests here are having in the U.S. when it comes to the supply chain and a COVID-19 update as daily deaths from the virus are now averaging 3,000. We get the latest from Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington Bureau Chief. For many, Valentine's Day will be celebrated this weekend, perhaps with a fancy dinner with the one you love. And of course, no romantic dinner would be complete without a great bottle of wine. We get some help in the wine department from sommelier Jordan Mazanti, who's also the co-creator of a specialized wine app called Psalm. And finally, if you're still looking for love, look no further. We've got some pro tips to help you get your swagger back. Dating expert Lauren Harnett of Clearview Coaching joins us with some timely advice on how to get your love life back on track. What data did the province use in their decision to ease COVID restrictions? That is a question City Council wants answered. With insight into this and all the latest news from City Hall, we are joined now by Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning to you, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Andy and Sue. I hope you're doing well. And so far, so good. It's early. We're excited it's the weekend. Uh, let's get to the business at hand and talk about the announcement from the province and, you know, the easing of restrictions announced by Premier Jason Kenney on Tuesday. Uh, what are your thoughts and uh, City Council's thoughts as far as the timing of these restrictions and the plan ahead? Well, I have to tell you, um, on Tuesday, we uh, were invited to a briefing an hour before the actual press conference. And when I say we, it was Mayor Sohi and myself, as well as Mayor Heron, who represents Alberta municipalities, and Reed McLaughlin, representing rural municipalities. Um, we got the lowdown from ministers Copping and McIver on what they were going to be saying within the hour. We were asked to keep it confidential. Um, but we really didn't learn anything that everybody didn't hear publicly an hour later. And we had as many questions then as we do now about the data that was used, um, why on earth they didn't lift the liquor service restrictions like the restaurant industry wanted, and why there's not boosters for kids 12 to 17 if we're removing masks in schools. So a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. So is that the frustration, Mayor, then, that there just doesn't seem to be a lot of communication between the province and the leaders of, you know, the two biggest cities, obviously, in the province of just, you know, where the met- what the metrics are? We, we've never really seen them through the pandemic. And is that what you were asking for, to see the reasoning behind the lifting of the restrictions? Yeah, that's absolutely right, Sue. We were all very interested. And I would say, you know, if I can say this on behalf of all Alberta municipalities, we were all very interested in seeing the data that was being used, the modeling. We heard a lot about examples of other nations and other states in the U.S., but like nothing empirical, nothing that we could actually look at and say, okay, that makes sense. We got a little bit of, well, hospitalizations are down, but then it was something about new hospitalizations, just, you know, kind of random and weird um, defense of why this was happening. Let's talk about, you know, the fact that we've heard rumors and rumblings, not just in Calgary, but in Edmonton about the cities, the two biggest cities in the province, still going on in some way, shape or form with either, you know, a, a vaccine a, a passport or sorry, a REP 
or the masks? It looks like the REP is, you know, fine and clear in the city. What about masks? Is this something that the city of Calgary would step in and, uh, you know, say we still want to impose that mask bylaw? Yeah, I, I will clarify for everyone. The restriction exemption program bylaw we had that sort of strengthened and was in partnership with what the province was doing, that lifted as soon as their restriction exemption program lifted. So it's gone. Um, our mask mandate, though, is tied to a decision of council. It is not tied to any data. It's not tied to anything provincial. So it still exists. Um, I have a feeling that there will be members of council that want to bring it forward and say we should get rid of it as soon as the province says they're going to get rid of masking. Uh, there's probably other colleagues who want to keep it in place based on some criteria. I think it's going to be a fulsome debate on Tuesday at council. Uh, the other thing that I can update you on at a committee meeting this week, um, this point was raised when we had a COVID update. We actually um, had a motion come to us that was a mirror of what Edmonton is doing. Number one, asking administration to come back with some sort of a local restriction exemption program. And number two, uh, for the mayor to request the data that uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dina Hinshaw, used. Now, in Edmonton, both parts passed at their council meeting. Here in Calgary at committee, the first part was killed. The second part still lives. The decision is on Tuesday. Okay, so council meeting on Tuesday then. Is this a special council meeting in terms of dealing with some of these issues? And, and are, is there anything in particular that you're bringing forward at that meeting? It's a regular standing meeting okay. of council. So it's already got a packed agenda. Um, the COVID-19 update that came to committee is one of those consent agenda items that I think may get pulled off of consent agenda and debated. So this is a regularly scheduled meeting where I think this item will come up for debate. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to get to, uh, Mayor Gonduk, is the uh, p- potential for a harassment bylaw in the city, something that's being looked at by city council. Can you give us an idea of what exactly a, a harassment bylaw would look like and how long something like this has been in the works for? Yeah, it was the street harassment bylaw. It was also discussed at that same meeting on Wednesday. Um, This is something that Councillor Farrell brought forward last term um, in conjunction with her team in the Ward 7 office to ensure that people felt safe on our streets in Calgary, that they were safe from things like catcalls and threats and sometimes violence that happens um, simply by virtue of someone being a member of the LGBTQ2 plus community, being a woman, being a person of color, um, there was a lot of thought that went into this proposed bylaw, and committee approved it to come to council for decision on Tuesday. Is there any sort of update you can give us on the expansion of Arts Commons? What's that looking like now? Oh, there was an announcement um, this week about the design team. Um, it's a very talented group of people. Um, CMLC, which is Calgary Municipal Land Corporation, has done a great job stewarding this project forward. Uh, If you go to the website, you can check out what that's going to look like. It's just really good news in terms of advancing that project. We have a debate going on here. I'm hoping you can help us out. This is the most serious question of the morning. (laughs) And that is, it's uh, what I'm calling Valen Weekend. Uh, Because nobody loves love as much as Andy does, Mayor. Uh, Just before we let you go, Valentine's Day is on Monday. And nothing says romance like Monday night after a busy day at work. do you, do you celebrate Valentine's Day on, on the actual day, or would you look at uh, doing a Friday or Saturday because it is just ahead of a Monday? Oh, let me tell you, friends, in my household, what the definition of love is. Early on in my relationship with my husband, he came to pick me up at work um, when we were both in the university. I was working retail, 
and next to a card store, that's when he realizes, you know, <laughs> 8.59 p.m. that it was Valentine's Day. And he bought me a Cadbury's Easter egg and a Aww. thank you card. Aww. So, you know, there's nothing like the romance in the Gondak household. So I, I don't know that we'll be doing anything special. We just love each other every day. Busy weekend plan for you, I can tell. <laughs> All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Mayor. Appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. The trucker protests in Ottawa is gaining international attention. In fact, some high-profile U.S. politicians are throwing their support behind the Canadian truckers. With details on this and all the news from our southern neighbours, we're joined by Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning. Let's talk about the influence of the demonstrations and protests we're seeing in Ottawa rippling into the U.S., Uh, We're hearing that there's plans for some sort of a rally March 1st in D.C. Tell us about the timing behind this and, uh, you know, what the uh, impetus is as far as what they want to achieve. Yeah, so a few things are sort of happening here with this all at once. The March 1st protest here in Washington would coincide with the day that President Biden is supposed to travel to the Capitol building to deliver his State of the Union address. And so the theory would be that uh, this convoy would somehow come to Washington and disrupt that. Uh, But it sort of seems like it's all in the planning stages at this point, a little less cohesive than what we're seeing in Ottawa at the moment. Still, you kind of get the sense that there's a lot of support for this movement, and it's growing in the U.S. Uh, There is coverage of it every single hour on cable news down here. Uh, conservative commentators are all but goading Americans to take to the streets and basically saying, gee, wouldn't it be a shame if something similar happened here to cause uh, harm to the Biden administration? So you, you really sort of get a sense that there is support for this movement. But if we're being fully honest, I think a lot of this support is based on a misunderstanding of what's happening in Ottawa, a, mis, uh, you know, a lack of understanding of how the Canadian government works, for example. Uh, they're still trying to replicate it here, though. So why would U.S. politicians even want to get involved? Is it just to create some chaos in in the U.S. and at the Capitol? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a few things have happened here. Uh, Obviously, Republicans are are broadly speaking opposed to, you know, vaccine mandates and vaccine passports, and so they share common cause with the Canadian protesters on that front. But you've got another layer that's added into that, and of course, Republicans uh, often decry what they call big tech censorship, which is this claim that big technology companies like Facebook, for example, are shutting down their causes. And in this case, of course, we know the original online fundraiser for the truckers started with the site GoFundMe which then shut down and started refunding donations as opposed to handing them over. And so that has given Republicans an avenue to merge two of their huge wedge issues into one, big tech censorship and vaccine mandates. One issue, it's the Canadian convoy. We do know about the connectedness of our two nations, and particularly when you talk about Windsor to Detroit and that connection, that transportation route. We're hearing that we're having some supply chain issues starting the early stages of that here in our country. Uh, how about in the States? Any supply chain issues from something like that, to, uh, you know, demonstration and protest going on? Yeah, you know, definitely concerned about that, especially for the auto sector, right? Because we know it's all this just-in-time delivery where they don't exactly spend a lot of money storing parts on site. They require those parts to show up just as they need them to manufacture vehicles. So I know uh, the governor of Michigan is deeply worried about this. The White House says they're constantly monitoring the situation, focused specifically on the potential for supply chain impacts. And so I think that's a big part of the story here that uh, could potentially put more pressure on either the Biden administration or have Biden put pressure on Trudeau to find some way to wrap this up in a way that avoids sort of the worst disruptions to the economy. We kind of touched on it, Jackson, the COVID restrictions. We're starting to see rollback and a lifting of them here in Alberta. Anything like that easements in the United States? And what is the current COVID situation right in the States now? 
Yeah, the rollback of restrictions is happening pretty quickly. Uh, places like New York, New Jersey, uh, you know, they're dropping uh, things like mask mandates, vaccine passports are an open question as to how much longer those will be around. But you also have to remember, things have been far less restrictive here for a very long time. There really aren't many restrictions beyond mask mandates and uh, vaccine passports in most jurisdictions, if they even have those at all. Uh, the number of daily cases is dropping substantially, but of course we know deaths, which uh, lag by weeks and weeks and weeks, they're sky high. I mean, we're still seeing more than 3,000 deaths per day in this country from COVID. And so I think there is a bit of a, a sort of a, a jarring sense that, you know, these restrictions are being lifted at a time when uh, we are over 910,000 Americans who have died. And, and as I say, more than 3,000 every single day continue to die from this virus. Wow. Those numbers are mind-boggling. Wow. Uh, let's switch gears and turn to Eastern Europe, the ongoing tensions between Russia and uh, the U.S. Uh, out of the whole uh, situation in the Ukraine. What's the latest there and uh, what is the stance of the U.S. as of today? Yeah, it's sort of this continued balancing act where I think the U.S. is hoping that diplomacy is a path forward, but they're also preparing for the worst at the exact same time. And we learned this week, for example, that the U.S. actually has a plan to evacuate its own citizens to neighboring Poland if needed. We know that U.S. troops are moving into uh Poland uh, and, and other uh, NATO nations that border uh, Russia, and there's really sort of a sense that this buildup is there as a deterrent. And I think it's sort of a question as to who blinks first and what happens next. Obviously, uh, both sides are taking what the diplomats like to say are maximalist positions, which is uh, they have are, are standing very firm in their demands and not backing down. And, and the U.S. has essentially said, uh, you know, uh, we want Russia out of Crimea, for example. Russia is saying we want NATO out of Eastern Europe, and neither side is going to back down. So really kind of an open question still as to where this all leads. Uh, I think the, the American position continues to be a little more dire than the Ukrainian position, where the Ukrainians are saying, you know, Russia could invade, but we don't think they're going to, whereas the U.S. seems to think this could be inevitable or at least imminent. Jackson, any of these issues giving President Joe Biden a bump or is his popularity still extremely low? No, his popularity continues to be extremely low. And again, I think it's, as we've talked about before, this, this confluence of factors, the, you know, the, the pandemic, uh, inflation, uh, the inflation rate numbers just came out uh, on Thursday, and they were over 7%. I mean, that's the highest rate in 40 years. And gas prices are soaring. And these are all things that, uh, you know, impact Americans in their day-to-day -day lives uh, and certainly do not lend favor to any president uh, who's in office when, when things are like that. Mm -hmm. Busy time down south. Thanks for your time, Jackson. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Shocking numbers, though, those COVID numbers, right, from the U.S. Just 3,000 deaths in a 24-hour period daily. That's amazing. What did we have, 22 deaths uh, since yesterday or the day before, I guess, uh, when our, our numbers were released in the province of Alberta yesterday. So when you, I mean, 22 is 22 too many, obviously, yeah. but when you look at what's happening in the States, it's just shocking that it's still that high. Yeah, well, when you look at, for example, it, it's it's so high, to, and it's the lag we talk about time and time again, and unfortunately, the hospitalizations and the deaths, and, and fortunately for us, I think that the case numbers, the percentage right now at 29.3%, so I, I have to count that as a positive in that we were trending around 40% mm -hmm. uh, like 10 days ago, but... In the grand scheme of things, to your point about the states, and I, I believe it was last weekend when Jackson chronicled how few people are actually vaccinated, like how many they have to get going. With 3,000 deaths in a 24-hour period, to put this in perspective, we've had just under 3,800 deaths in our province during the whole pandemic. Wow. So they, they'll do that in, in basically a, a day and a handful of hours. That's shocking. I mean, we're comparing apples to Of oranges, course, of course. But, but just, to, you know, it's, it's striking when you compare the two. In those terms. Wow. It's, it's nuts.
Well, uh, it continues and we'll continue to talk, uh, you know, as we do every week with Jackson, check in what's going on in the U.S. Certainly uh, it's been an interesting week with the new uh, border closure at the Ambassador Bridge in Ontario into the U.S. and uh, an injunction uh, today, possibly Ontario Superior Court considering an injunction that would prevent protesters from continuing to block that Ambassador Bridge crossing in Windsor um, as the truckers continue to block that one as well as here in Coots and in Manitoba. I wonder what it's going to take in the sense that we're going to have Matt, we've already had the, you know, you don't have to show that passport to get in anywhere in, in the next uh, just a few more sleeps away much more when it comes to mandates and restrictions being lifted the ball the uh, mm-hmm. wheels are in motion it, it, it's starting to move like what more do you want if you're expecting trudeau to step down that's not going to happen and they're expecting more people to start rolling into ottawa though mm-hmm. they'll be met with police and that but obviously the police are overwhelmed and can't do much about it so I, I, what's going to happen boy the world is looking at canada right now and i don't think it's a pretty picture yeah i mean obviously you want to do your own thing but you have to look at the optics to a certain extent and uh, what and we're being looked at and as. how you're holding up everybody else yeah because you think your rights and freedoms are being stepped on, you're now crushing everybody else's. And at a time when the con- the economy isn't quite we don't need clicking it. around, yeah. uh, clicking along right now, we need all the help we can get for sure. If you want to impress your love this Valentine's Day with romance, dinner, and a nice bottle of wine... Well, where do you start when it comes to choosing that perfect bottle of vino? We're getting some help from an expert. Jordan Mazzanti is lead sommelier at Somme. This morning uh, joins us live. Good morning to you, Jordan. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, I know wine to me is is almost like a language. Some people really get it and they're fluent. Other people, they look for any bottle under $10 and just hope for the best. So (laughs) I'm wondering, you know, if you can tell us about Somme, because we've spoke with you before, but just a bit of a refresher. There's an app for that, isn't there? There, there is an app for that. So Psalm is a, uh, it's a lifestyle app. It's like, it's like having a sommelier in your pocket, um, alongside with a, a great loyalty program that gives you benefits that you actually want. Um, the app's free to download. Um, it has a great recommendation engine. Um, answer a couple, couple quick questions, and it'll, it'll give you a great recommendation from the Highlander portfolio, or, or help you out with wine that you have in your cupboard. Um, the second side of Psalm is the, as I said, the Crew and Grand Crew um, membership program, which is it's pretty exciting. It just launched in Alberta uh, last week. Uh, Grand Crew is the most elevated, and it gives you uh, wine deliveries every month uh, from Highlander, um, plus great benefits like 20 percent off when you're shopping at Highlander, and uh, welcome beverage at Orchard, and, and all kinds of fun stuff. It's a super easy app to use, Jordan. And, uh, you know, you're the sommelier behind it. So have is it really sort of you kind of putting your knowledge in there and making it easy for us to then figure uh, out how to choose a good wine? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not just me. It's We have a great team. Um that, uh, that put everything into the, into the app. But at the end of the day, for all of us, it's just about making wine more accessible for everybody, um, which is kind of my goal as a sommelier and, uh, and the goal of the company as well, just um, getting more people into wine and, and sort of breaking down those barriers that uh, everybody thinks are there with wine. Jordan, you say oh. barriers and maybe misconceptions. I'm wondering, I was joking off the top, any bottle you can get under 10 bucks. <laughs> that's, Andy's, <laughs> that's Andy's style. Is there, a, is there a price point we have to hit to get a quality wine? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's a time and place for everything. Every wine exists for a reason. Um, I'm sometimes in that under $10 bracket as well. Um, There's sort of this misconception that sommeliers drink really expensive, great wine all the time. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Every every wine deserves to exist for a reason, and whatever you like is what you like, and there you do not have to hit a certain price point. 
Okay, so let's talk about Valentine's Day dinner, for example. Can you help us out with maybe how we sort of choose a wine for dinner, but one then for dessert as well? Yeah, the big one's dessert. Um, for dinner, I mean, uh, Valentine's Day is a little bit tricky because there's no set menu for Valentine's Day like there is for other holidays. Um, there's a few little tricks that I have, and, and one, one style of wine that I really like pouring uh, for Valentine's Day is sparkling wine, and something that people over, often overlook. Um, sparkling wine is really, really food versatile. Let's face it, Valentine's Day is a little bit of a celebration. Um, another one is rosé. I mean, it's pink. It sort of fits with the, with the theme of, of the whole holiday, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's also food versatile. Um, but the big one is with dessert, and uh, I've got a bit of a trick of the trade that um, the wine should always be a little bit sweeter than the dessert you're having. So chocolate and pork is one of my favorite pairings of all time, um, and one that I think a lot of people overlook as well. But chocolate and pork, fantastic. Good Love stuff. It. Yeah, I'm on it. I like the sparkling <laughs> wine idea as well, because then you yeah. get the bases covered. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And, and where do we get the app there, Jordan? Uh, it's free to download on all platforms. Um, like I said, it's just like having a sommelier in your pocket. Um, yeah, on, on every anywhere you can, anywhere you download apps, it's uh, it's free to download. Download the app. Hop online if you want as well. www.som.io and get more info. Thanks so much, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Jordan Mazzanti, lead sommelier at the Psalm app. It really is an easy-to-use app. You stand in the liquor store, you tell what meal you're having and what event. I love it. it. It'll pick it for you or give you options anyway. It's fantastic. Daunting sometimes. Yes, can be. With only days before Valentine's Day, it's time to get your dating game back on track. Get your swagger back as well with some advice and tips for Valentine's Day and beyond. We are joined this morning by dating expert and owner of Clearview Coaching, Lauren Harnett. Good morning to you, Lauren. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, maybe it's a little quick to, you know, get immediate love just in time for Monday, but people <laughs> looking beyond that, what, what kind of tips and advice do you have for people who are, especially through the pandemic, now trying to get back out and into the dating scene, looking for love? What, what do you tell them? Absolutely. So I have four tips for you this morning. Um, this is for, you know, if it's your first date on Monday or maybe it's your 30th date, um, you can use these throughout your relationship. So number one is discover your dating bullseye. So what is your target? What's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Because this is actually often overlooked when um, in the dating scene and you really need to define a great date before you're planning one. So consider, do you want to be adventurous? Do you want to try something new? Maybe you want to showcase the strengths of yours um, or be entertained. But really, this is something that you want to think of ahead of time. So what's your goal? Um, you can decide this with your partner, maybe if you've been together for a while. Or you can do this as an individual stepping into the dating scene. What do you want to get out of your date? So that's discover your dating bullseye. That's number one. like it. What's yeah, number two number for us? Number two is uh, dress to impress. So I know this is a pretty common phrase, but let's be honest. It could have been the last two years you've been spending in your sweatpants, <laughs> maybe with the occasional nice shirt. Um, so feel phenomenal showing up on your date. So if you need to get a haircut this weekend, do it. Do your nails, groom your beard, get that awesome new sexy outfit out and show up feeling great. Um, but you also want this to be appropriate for your date. So you don't want to show up in heels for a long walk or running shoes if you go to the Calgary Tower for a fancy dinner. You want to be comfortable, you want to be confident and feel amazing. Love so it. that's Great tip. number two. Okay, yeah. lay on number three and four. We don't want to miss out before we left have to let you go. 
Okay, I'll do it really quick. So these are research-based tips for um, creating a great environment in your relationship. So number three, leave your date feeling great. It's a little kitschy, but you want to dole out those compliments, highlight the positives in the other people, and it definitely will come back to you. So that's number three. So leave your date feeling great. Number four is another proven strong dynamic between couples, and this is uh, stay intensely curious. So you can do this as simply as prep 10 questions uh, that you want to ask the other person and that you want to share about yourself. And you spend, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes just asking questions with each other that may not um, come up in regular conversation. So those are my four tips to hopefully help everybody get out there and feel confident on Valentine's Day. And we shouldn't have an issue if it's our first date on Valentine's Day? Right. Yeah. You know, that is a great <laughs> point, but if you put these four tips into practice, okay. you're going to feel so confident. I love it. Okay, so <laughs> discover your dating bullseye, your goals, dress to impress, leave your date feeling great, and stay curious. And I think you're right, Lauren. These yeah. these really fit for whether it's a first date or you've been together for a long, long time. Have some fun with it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously if you can. <laughs> love it. Thank you so much. Happy uh, Friday to you and happy almost Valentine's Day as well. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks, Lauren. Lauren Harnett, dating expert and owner of Clearview Coaching. You can go online, clearviewcoaching.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.